0: Hello, I'm Nathan and welcome to the Going Long Podcast. Inspired by Kirk Cousins and a recent college survey, I imagine the favourite bands of NFL coaches. There's also a lot to reflect on in the action of Week 11, like wondering what's wrong with all of the kickers, how much tequila the officials drank in Mexico, and of course the appearance of Jared Goff starting a game for the first time with the LA Rams. Okay, in case you missed it, at the end of another impressive win in Washington, Kirk Cousins was congratulated by the general manager, who had denied him his long-term contract in the off-season. Cousins has never shied away from expressing his frustration at the end of games, and his knack for generating really good vine material continued here as he responded to the awkward embrace from Scott McLaughlin by bending down and yelling into his ear, me now. How do you like me now? <laughs> Which ensured that Cousins now has a new theme So how you like me now? How you like me now? How you like me now? So before we round up the games, let's consider the suitable music choices for the NFL coaches. Now this isn't just me being random, maybe a little bit, but a recent ESPN poll revealed that college football coaches had an unhealthy love of dad rock. We'll put the link up on our Facebook and Twitter. So I thought, obviously, what about NFL coaches? So I've picked a few out. Rex Ryan, clearly the Hollies. After starting a spat with Richard Sherman, it seems like he's saying, I can't let go. But more often, when people talk about his brother's weight, he replies with... Jack Del Rio of the Oakland Raiders. Clearly an obvious one. He's a Duran Duran fan. The fans are often seen as the wild boys. He'd probably like you to save a prayer for their stadium plans. He's notorious for going for it on fourth down and one track clearly should have been adopted as his chant already. Gus Bradley of the Jacksonville Jaguars probably avoids Bon Jovi, as although he's trying to keep the faith, it looks like he took some bad medicine. He's living on a prayer, likely to be wanted, dead or alive. Todd Bowles of the New York Jets is clearly a fan of New York's finest, the Beastie Boys. This season, there's been plenty of ill communication, potential sabotage afoot. There's no such thing as a sure shot with his QBs, and he has a fight for your right to keep his job. Over in LA, Jeff Fisher is clearly a fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He was hoping for some Californication and that his quarterback issues would be water under the bridge. But his team seemed riddled with scar tissue and can only dream of higher ground. And on Sunday, they were leading in the fourth quarter and decided to... Right, enough of that. A tense week in the NFL with almost every game going down to the last few plays. With time running out in the fourth quarter of the early games, only the Steelers-Browns game had a two-score difference. The Thursday night game was overshadowed by the shocking sight of Luke Keekley hit from front and back and lying prone on the turf, sobbing in between trying to get his breath. New Orleans Saints 20, Caroline Panthers 23. There's a lot of confusion around the injury to Keekley, but hits to the head can also bring about a sudden emotional change. At the moment, there is no timetable for his return. These two first met in week six. Uh late field goal then for the Saints settled it 41 38, meaning the Panthers were one and five. Since then, the Super Bowl finalists have slowly got back on track, and a lot of that is due to rookie cornerbacks James Bradbury and Darryl Worley. In that week six matchup, Drew Brees consistently went over the top. Not this time. His longest completion was 22 yards. A lot of that was down to the improved Panthers' pass rush, with their defence also adding three more sacks, making that 18 in the last four games. There's another sign that the Panthers' offence is getting back up to speed as well, with a huge throw from Newton and an athletic catch from Ted Ginn Jr., evoking memories of last season a little bit. This now means the whole NFC South has concertinaed a little bit with the Panthers and the Saints 4-6, Bucks 5-5 five and five, and Falcons top 6-4. and four. The Saints' offence will face a mean LA next week, whilst that Panthers defence will have to continue their improvement without Keekley against the Raiders in Oakland. Vikings flush the cards with runs. Arizona Cardinals 24, Minnesota Vikings 30. Bruce Arians was taken to hospital by his wife after the game in Minneapolis due to chest pains, but he was released Monday night after tests. His health concerns this season have mirrored his teams a little bit, really. Carson Palmer was pounded here, and the Cardinals' reliance on David Johnson the run game was exposed here by a Minnesota team determined to get back on track. So determined, they even went for a glorious trick play with a flea flicker that was only denied a touchdown it deserved by pass interference. The Vikings made sure they didn't follow five straight wins with five straight losses, with two huge plays making it happen. Xavier Rhodes with a hundred-yard pick six, the longest in Vikings history, longest in the NFL for three years. Thanks, Charles, for that info. And Corderell Patterson, a 104-yard kickoff return. A hundred and four yards. They now go to Detroit in one of our featured games next week for a crucial divisional matchup. Bunged up Bengals lose top billing. I don't know why I did the Northern accent for that, that makes absolutely no sense. But the Buffalo Bills, 16, Cincinnati Bengals, 12. There's lots of talks about Andy Dalton misfiring at QB for the Bengals, but I think this has been a bit similar to the recent criticism of Rodgers at the Packers, in that there was just a real lack of open receivers, exacerbated by losing A.J. Green early on and also Gio Bernard, maybe both for the whole season. Plus, it would be unfair not to note that the Bills' secondary really stepped up. Rex Ryan had called on Ronald Darby and Stefan Gilmore to capture their former cornerback, and they did. The Bills' offence has been cleverly rebuilt under new coordinator Adrian Lynch, to the point they still converted. Despite out of the four wide receivers who finished the game, only Marquise Goodwin was even on the team in August. Not so much next man up as next, next, next. No, not you, not you, you man up. Next up for the Bills is a struggling Jacksonville and a win there would keep playoff hopes alive. Just sort of. Yeah, it would. Those hopes, sadly, are gone for the Bengals and it might be a new coach who tries to take them back to the playoffs next season. But more on that next episode. Faster slow in the city than never sleeps. Chicago Bears 16, New York Giants 22. Now look, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Landon Collins being the standout player for the Giants. He had another exemplary performance here. And we heard why. As a rookie last year, he looked confused and said how everything comes at you fast. After this game, he talked to the press and said, now it's very slow out there. Everything just comes to me. It always seemed likely that there would be chances for both defences, as in Cutler and Manning, this game had the two quarterbacks with the most turnovers in the last 10 years. And it was Landon Collins, who else, with his fifth interception of the season, finished it off. Every team has injuries in the NFL, but seriously, for the Bears, this is now ridiculous. In this game alone, they lost four starters with Zach Miller most likely out for the season with a broken ankle, and Leonard Floyd taken off to an ambulance with a frightening-looking neck injury. With no else on Jeffrey, also for the Bears, they looked to Jordan Howard, and he had a poor game. Also leaving the field at the end, Jay Cutler with another injury. So you know what, good luck for anyone trying to recognise a team that takes on the Titans next week. OK, next, let's copy and paste from last week. Pittsburgh Steelers 24, Cleveland Browns 9. What? No, seriously, what? There's nothing more to say. Oh, OK. Apart from the annual conversation about how local boy Ben Roethlisberger slipped through the fingers of the Browns was given a little more edge this time as Big Ben tied with Derek Anderson as the starting quarterback with the most wins on Cleveland soil since 1999. Yep, yeah, Big Ben got the most wins on Cleveland soil despite never playing for Cleveland. Look, you can work it out and Big Ben's going to rely on Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell a lot if he's going to get another win in Indianapolis on Thursday night. Tampa book the trends. Tampa Bay Buccaneers 19, Kansas City Chiefs 17. I really don't know why I'm going northern on this. I'm so sorry. Tampa are all about breaking streaks at the moment. Last week, they went at home to break the longest current home losing streak. Then they go to Kansas, who had the longest winning home streak, and they break that. They'll help by keeping a good streak going. It is now 53 straight games in college and NFL that Jameis Winston has made a touchdown. For the Chiefs, they really missed Marcus Peters this week, but they would have been hoping for a win here to steady their playoff position as they now have to go to Denver, Atlanta and then welcome a Raiders team that has been enjoying hitting the road. This is more like what I expected from Tampa though when I gave them a wildcard tip at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I did. You can go back and listen to it and everyone laugh at me and they could have actually buried this game really early. They notched up 442 yards against one of the top defences, and they were strong on third down. They need to sharpen up their red zone play if they want to seriously challenge. No more Dak Flack. Baltimore Ravens 17, Dallas Cowboys 27. Ahead of this game, Tony Romo gave an eloquent and emotional endorsement for Dak Prescott as a starting QB for Dallas. And it seemed that everyone else is on the Dak bandwagon. He got an inordinate amount of praise uh, for simply picking up some litter. Just Google Prescott litter Cowboys and you'll see what I'm on about. Confidence is sky high in the rookie who is quietly going about his game and he showed his composure in this win. After leading a stunning one-minute drive to gain a comeback victory last week, in this game he showed he could also eat up time. The Ravens scored in the fourth to make it a one-score game, but Dak then led a drive that ate up over six minutes and ended with a field goal to clinch it. Quarterback Joe Flacco for the Ravens said, We should beat this team. I'm not kidding. Okay, you're not kidding. But he might want to look at himself for why they didn't, as the Ravens underperformed on third downs and in the red zone. Despite Steve Smith Sr. making his 1,000th career catch, one of those utterly sensational, managing to grab it and somehow touch both feet down in play. Which I'm sure he was quietly modest about because, no, no, he wasn't, because he was mouthing off and gloating about his own success despite his team losing. I had respect for him for the game, said Cowboys cornerback Anthony Brown, but after, I have no respect for him anymore. I think we've heard that before this season. We'll also be hearing a lot more about the Cowboys and the Prescott, who continue their franchise record winning streak. Wait, no, stop that. There's absolutely no evidence of the specials here. Jacksonville Jaguars 19, Detroit Lions 26. The Jags had three consecutive games fumbling punt returns, and now they've had three consecutive games allowing punt returns against them. See, I told you, no specials. Here, Andre Roberts zigged and zagged a great 50-yard return for a touchdown for the Lions. It was also the second consecutive game that the Jags gave up a pick six. This time, Raphael Bush had a Bortles pass tipped into his hands to run back for six. At 2-8, and eight, the Jags are again facing another season without a winning record, whilst the Lions take on the Vikings this Thursday to see who can take sole leadership of the division. Titans are out in the Colts. Yep, I went there. Tennessee Titans, 17. Indianapolis Colts, 24. Colts went into this with 10 straight wins against the Titans, the longest current win streak against a division rival in the NFL. Although they made hard work of number 11, as at 21-0, they then allowed the Titans back in. They should know you can't give Mario to the opportunity in the red zone. He started this game with 30 touchdowns from red zone action and no interceptions. And he added to that here. Although another slow start from the Titans meant they were always unlikely to gain the win. This meant the Colts went to 5-5 five and, five and swapped places with the Titans on 5-6. and six. Andrew looked left the field late on and is in concussion protocol. And he's likely to miss the game on Thursday night against the Steelers. As for the Titans... Coach Mike Malarkey compared the NFL to white water rafting in that it's a different ride each time you get in. I'm not sure it made sense, but it did make me want to watch River Wild with Meryl Streep and Kevin Bacon. I wonder what Malarkey's Bacon number is. Mine, mine, mine is four. Just saying. Alright, it's a tenuous four, but still, it's four. No parade for golf in the rain. Miami Dolphins 14, LA Rams 10. The Dolphins stayed in California this week after playing San Diego and if that didn't make them feel at home then the number of fans they had here really must have done. Neither team would have felt at home though in an unusually cold and rainy day in LA. So a lot of our time last week was spent talking about whether Jared Goff would be a positive difference for the Rams. Stuart thought he would whilst I said he'd suck. He started nervously here with an incomplete then threw out of play but then he did get settled with three quick short throws to settle down. For the rest of the game Goff rarely went long just once in fact, but he didn't suck. However, they're going to need to let him play. Digressive tactics shown by some other coaches can give a lot of confidence to your guy, and that seems to be the tactic Miami head coach Adam Gase with his quarterback. He had nothing but praise for Tannehill, who again showed decisive playmaking skills. Yes, yes, he did. He, He did, honestly. Skills that he needed to have, considering at the end There was only one thing on coach Adam Gase's mind when they were going forward, that they were going to go for touchdowns, not field goals. As he said, that game wasn't going to overtime. It was either going to be a pick or a touchdown. This was our deciding teapot game. And if you pick the Rams, you're probably feeling a bit hard done by. As in that final quarter, they not only missed a field goal, but they also conceded five penalties and over 100 yards. 49ers eclipsed by the 39er. New England Patriots 30, San Francisco 49 and 17. This was all too predictable. The score looked close heading to the final quarter, and then 39-year-old Tom Brady came to life and he eased the Pats to victory. For a third straight game, the Patriots' defence failed to force a turnover, but up against the league's worst defence, that was never likely to prove decisive. In charge of a team that has just endured a franchise equaling ninth straight defeat, Chip Kelly was quick to point out that they can't compete if they need to throw, as we're not good enough to throw it every down. Bonus points if anyone can name who played as receiver for the 49ers in this game. Go on, anyone? Yeah, I didn't think so. No cheesy puns about Philadelphia, although they do look spread thin on the road. Philadelphia Eagles 15, Seattle Seahawks 26. The Eagles are now 1-5 and five on the road this season. Russell Wilson's recent form seems to have got journalists looking for the letters M, V and P to use in the same sentence when talking about him. But Doug Baldwin is arguably just as important to the Seahawks' offence. He had four catches for 104 yards and also a touchdown pass. Yep, a beaut of a trick play saw Baldwin swap places with his QB to throw a 15-yard touchdown pass to Wilson. The Seahawks will be glad that Thomas Rawls is back and running hard as having let Christine Michael go... They suddenly seem a little short, with C.J. Procise out for a while, according to Pete Carroll. How you like me now. Green Bay Packers 24, Washington 42. Packers won't know how much they like Christine Michael just yet, as he wasn't available to give them a much-needed boost here. So how bad is it for Aaron Rodgers? For the first time in his NFL career, all three of his opening series started with a three and a punt. And putting your defence on the field so often is not a great idea when you have a secondary like Green Bay. Tying with the Browns for any records is not a good sign, but the Packers now share the record for most touchdowns allowed on throws of 15 yards or more. 11 so far. As for Washington and their fired-up quarterback, well, yeah, they look determined to get back to the playoffs. In contrast to the Packers, Washington have a fired-up quarterback who can be aggressive and, crucially, has plenty of targets to hit. With Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, Jameson Crowder, and tight ends Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, all being used and backing up running back Rob Kelly. Huge credit to the Washington Offensive Coordinator, Sean McVeigh, who is clearly a coach worth keeping an eye on. So, Monday Night Football went to Mexico. Houston Texans 20, Oakland Raiders 27. On the way back, I reckon the officials were playing a bit of Toby Keith. Just remember when you let it all go What happened down in Mexico It's days Mix! Mexico. Unfortunately for them, we saw some pretty awful decisions and, unfortunately for your Texans fan, they all went against you. First, just a couple of minutes into the game, Brock, you're getting paid how much to be this average? Osweiler threw to DeAndre Hopkins, who scarpered some 30 yards down the sideline to score a touchdown. Except he didn't, because an official saw what he thought was a foot out of bounds, a mystical ghost foot. Thought about it for a bit and then blew his whistle to kill the play. Under the instant replay rules, the call could not be challenged. If the official had let the play go on, then as a scoring play, it would have been reviewed. And, by the looks of it, anyone with eyes allowed to stand. He was clearly in play. The Raiders have been scintillating, let's not forget that. The Texans less so, but this was a tight game. Twice the Texans went for it on fourth down, and twice they looked to have made it, and twice the officials said no. On the second one, they'd already looked to have made the first down on the play before. But when the Raiders got it on the second of those turnovers they scored the decisive touchdown. Look, when the action only takes up around 16 minutes of a three and a half hour broadcast, which means not only you have a lot of time, but also have increased revenue, let's take the time and money to have professional officials and technology to make these calls. There'll be still plenty of scope for human error, believe me. Anyway, as for the game, Clowney and Lamar Miller were outstanding for the Texans and might be able to offer enough to keep the Texans top of a weak AFC South. The Raiders are now number one seeds in the AFC Conference. So time for our five sit-down stand-up. For some, this means standing up to take the praise and the acclaim. For others, time to have a sit-down and a little bit of a think about what you've just done. Sit down, the sound guy in Minnesota, who ran out in front of the Vikings making their entrance, avoided one player and then got flattened by Linval Joseph. Despite visible marks on his face, he recovered to see out the rest of the game. But you know what? Maybe have a bit of an extra sit-down and rest. Stand up, Doug Baldwin. Not content with 100 yards receiving, he then showed up behind Russell Wilson who flicked the ball to him before heading towards the end zone. Baldwin with pressure come in then threw it 15 yards back to his quarterback for the touchdown. Sit down, Kyler Fackerel. No, seriously, sit down and watch your take from the weekend. He runs on, late to take his place in the lineup for the Packers' defence, just as Washington hand the ball to Rob Kelly. The rookie Fackrell doesn't even get close as he starts to make his run. Opposing right tackle Moses Morgan literally flicks him to the floor. Enjoy your week of getting mercilessly ripped by your teammates. Stand up, Xavier Rhodes. OK, a 100-yard pick six seems like an obvious choice. But it wasn't just that. It was the way he covered the throw and the quality of the catch that made this an exceptional bit of play. Sit down, kickers. A record 12 extra point attempts were missed this week, with Mike Nugent of the Bengals and Robbie Gould of the Giants both missing, two each. Okay, so the extra point kicking distance has almost doubled from 17 yards to 32 or 33. But still, the number of misses this season is surprising and proving costly. Eyebrows were raised when the books traded up to take kicker Roberto Aguayo in the second round of the draft, but after a shaky start, he hasn't missed any in the last three games. That's 13 field goals and extra point conversions. Blair Walsh has been the most high-profile recent casualty for poor kicking, but you know what? I wouldn't be surprised to see 1. more of them lose their job if this trend continues, and 2. maybe teams looking to draft a good kicker more often. Is there a reason we're starting to see this? It's surprising to see so many early because they can't blame the weather, which hasn't turned yet. If it does, we could conceivably see that record being broken again. Or is this just one of those strange glitches as an anomaly that happens occasionally? Well, for me, I, I think I like it. It adds more excitement and it seems to have made some teams think about going for two points more often. But that's just me. What do you think? You can get in touch and let us know on Facebook, Going Long Podcast. Uh, on Twitter, we are at Going Long UK. Or go to the website where you can email in. That's goinglongpodcast.com where we also post up blogs during the week and we will be back with the videos soon. We'll be back on Thursday to preview next week games. Stuart wasn't here for this episode I think because he didn't want to face my gloating after me beating him in the predictions. Because out of the 14 games he correctly called 8 but I got 11. What? Yeah, you're right. I should really save that for when he's here next episode. Good thinking actually what I will do is when he greets me and says hey how'd it go well done for doing the podcast on your own I'll just grab hold of him ruffle his hair and say how do you like me now